You take the good. You take the bad. You take them both. And then you have the Commune Podcast, episode 11. Hello and welcome to the Commune Podcast, episode 11. With me here, uh, I have an esteemed panel of four members. Uh, this week we played the robot chapter and the anime chapter in Live Alive. These may or may not be their official names. Uh, so let's uh, let's start off in alphabetical order. Kirby of Death, how how are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Sounds good. Uh, Shouty, how are you doing? Kind of tired, but I'm doing well. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, Soup Egg, have you engaged in any illicit acts recently? No. Okay, <laughs> glad to hear. A little hesitation there. <laughs> <coughs> and uh, finally, uh, Wario Fan, how's your political campaign going? Oh, it's 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 outstanding. I think I've I've uh I'm set to take over the uh, Tri County area by the end of next week. Doctor Doofenshmirtz. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> 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 Very professional. So tell me, Chowdy, what have you been actually in a video game playing lately? I've been playing Pikmin Two. You play Control. Ooh, yeah. I uh, that that looks very smooth, isn't it? Yeah, it does. Especially after my appetite has been wet um, by the Ninten- recent Nintendo Direct about Pikmin Three. Ooh. So, uh, what do you think of Pikmin Two aside from the controls? It sounds it's a pretty lax game compared to the first one, but I still like it. Yeah, it seems like without the uh, without the timer, it's mostly just about running around and collecting stuff. Yeah. That's okay. It's hard at games are fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soup Egg, what have you been video gaming? I uh, I got Kirby's Adventure, which I've been playing for the first time. And the first time? Also, I just got into Dark Souls again, which is a bad idea. Oh, no. Two very similar games. <laughs> can barely tell the difference. <laughs> one right to the other. I can't even tell which one I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like uh, like uh, all those times in Kirby where you go praise Mr. Shine. <laughs> you also have to push up to float in Dark Souls. <laughs> oh. Well, now I'll know that so for when it comes out. That's why it's so hard. <laughs> doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> The pressing up made you walk forward. Think again. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think of Kirby's Adventure? Uh, Kirby's Adventure is cool. Um, it feels modern in some ways, and very unmodern in other ways. It just mm-hmm. kind of feels clunky and a little weird, like many NES games did. I I can definitely agree to clunkiness. Um, what about it? Seems like, are modern, you seeing though. That, are you saying that from the point of view of it being like a extremely late NES game or something, or what? I'm saying that from like the point of view of I've recently played Return to Dreamland and it's much smoother. Oh, yeah. Well, oh really? Return to Dreamland is very refined, but like the level design is really, really similar, and that kind of feels modern because you have the same yeah. level design. As you have in Return to Dream World and other Kirby games, pretty much. Like, they use the same tricks with the same bombs and everything. It just it just feels pretty modern because they haven't really changed it at all, and it still works. 
that and Sakurai designs games with modern sensibilities. Sakurai also designs very samey games. Like Meteos? Yeah, Meteos had had level designs that I recognized from Kirby. Oh, of course. I remember fighting Wispy Woods in Meteos. <laughs> Wispy Planet. <laughs> but no, like uh, Subspace Emissary had the seasons changing level, which is like straight out of Kirby Superstar. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Beat a boss in Kirby, you do a match three, so. Do a match. <laughs> like a puzzle game. Get it? Is that what the dance is called? Kirby's. Like, like Kirby's mean Kirby's. machine. <laughs> oh, oh. And then there's that time he made that uh, Kirby spin off with Disney. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Because Meteos Disney. I get it. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I guess I can say I can get that. I'm pretty good. I have retrieved it. A Disney Kirby game that couldn't even get the rights to the Disney music. <clears throat> uh, so, Wario Fan 63, do you have any video games from the past week? I, I have plenty of video games, yes. I have selected one for my enjoyment as of late. Oh. I mean, it's, it's nothing serious, but I've, uh, I've dabbled in uh, Chris Bloosh. Uh, that's an onomatopoeia. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's at a it's at East Shop game that came out a bit ago. Where you, oh. where you you throw a rock down a well. Yeah, that's the one that's like space area except you can't shoot anything. Yeah, because why would a rock shoot? Because he's a it rock. It's more man. like Petzl's corridors. Because it would be a fun video game, is why. <laughs> oh, oh. Um. But it's the one that Iwana likes so much. He just likes his name. He did. He did. Yeah, yeah. He liked the. Uh, he liked Chris Bluesh so much. Chris Bluesh came out uh, when when the Japanese eShop launched way back June in 2011. Wait, wait what? They've what? had it for that long. Yeah. Why haven't I known this? Well, maybe you should check your favorite Nintendo directory digital site uh, for this kind of information. I'm not familiar with that. linked everyone who's listening to this podcast to a knockoff of your site. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, no, but yeah, they've had it for, for a year and a half now. Uh, Awada liked it so much back when it came out the first time around. He did, and Awada asked for it. Uh, a video Awada asked, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, and, and it, it, Nintendo didn't publish it back in Japan. So, so Awada liked it so much that I guess... We worked with them to uh, to put the game out in America and Europe, so uh, that's that's the story there. And it's it's a fun little uh, distraction game, you know, for like a, I think it's three dollars, and um, it, it's it's nice because you got I mean, it's light on content, but it's it's there's a bit of mixing and matching you can do. Like like you can approach each well differently. Like you start off with a rock and. Uh, a bouncy ball, and the rock has HP, but the bouncy ball has infinite HP. So the rock can break at some point, but the bouncy ball is like an easy mode where you can just, you know, go down the. It, you might you might get stopped by something and have to wait a bit for the ball to, to to bounce and retract, but at least you'll make it to the end of the well. And and as a nice little touch, everything you uh, every little object has its own story. <laughs> it, <laughs> It's, um, it's kind of funny. Um, I, now I you have my attention. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I'm going to lose it because uh, 
I mean, there's there's ten different levels, but I don't think, that, as far as I can tell, the story for each thing doesn't change between the levels. So it's just it's the same story for whatever object you throw. You're just throwing it down a different well. So for the rock, for the rock, it's two people going, hey, if we throw this rock in the well, what do you think it would hit along the way? Well, I don't know, maybe donuts or something. Maybe donuts. And then uh, for the bouncy ball, the bouncy ball is funny because it's it's like a uh, assumedly a middle aged man comes up to the well and says, "My God, this thing has ruined my my life. My wife divorced me. My daughter's been getting bad grades in school, and my dog got run over. I hate this cursed thing." And he throws it down oh the God. well. Kind of and, and there's like eight other hard, items hard, I haven't yeah. unlocked yet, but I, I don't know what their story is. But, uh, you know, it's it's a nice touch. Yeah, I hope they're all as hilarious as, as my dog getting running over. Getting run over. <laughs> is there a hard mode with an infant? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that actually, I don't know, for $3, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. And does that use the gyroscope roll? Uh, no. Well, um, it, I don't believe it does. It, it tells you right on the bottom screen you the control, uh, control sticks to, uh, to move. Okay. The circle pad, sorry. Using the 3DS to the fullest. Definitely. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's got that, you know, uh, depth perception that, you know, takes advantage of it, so there's that. Mr. Kirby of Death, have you been mm-hmm. playing the video games lately? The last time I played, I think was Minecraft again. And then I think sometime last week I played Bowser Harrier. <laughs> you what? <laughs> yeah, I had it downloaded from when you linked it to before, and uh, I felt like I got to playing it. It was pretty fun, <laughs> I liked it. So how was it? Yeah, it was good. I liked it. It seemed Space Harrier-y. Got the job done. I liked the sound effects. Yeah, that was, uh... <laughs> I don't know. People really liked those sound effects. That was just me pooping into a microphone. <laughs> Literally? No, not Leader Alley. <laughs> That's next to Diagon Alley. <laughs> did you make any, uh, like, did you make Bald Bull in Minecraft yet? You know, it's funny you say that. I, mean, I was actually planning on doing that, but the server's been down for the past two days. <laughs> but yeah, I'm literally going to make Bald Bull in, uh, Minecraft. <laughs> Not, not even another punch out guy. It's literally gonna be. Why bone bone? He gave me trouble in, uh, at Super Punch Out, so I have this weird connection with him. I also made Duck Lewis on a bike. Most chapters in Live Alive have a single clearly stated purpose. Akira? Doesn't. What do you do with a game that doesn't seem to have much of an idea of what it's doing? So, one of the chapters we played this week was Akira from Live Alive, which plays out a bit like an episode of an anime. Uh, You do some peeping Tom sort of stuff, Uh, you pilot a giant robot, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. But, um, Supeg, help me out here. Uh, I've had a little trouble, like, all of the other chapters in Live Live have a very identifiable, you know, this is the interesting part, where, like, you know, Ninja counts how many people you kill. And, uh, Kung Fu has that, you know, choose which guy you're gonna raise. 
what is the interesting bit of Akira? You read minds, first off, which is awesome. Also, I just like the aesthetic of it all and how it like has its own little opening theme song with the karaoke and stuff. I just think it's... Did you try singing along? I did try singing along. <laughs> I, I didn't. If you say you didn't try singing along, I think you're a liar. I did not. The second time. Uh, I think you're a liar. <laughs> but is, is Reading Minds really that much of a, like a talking... Like, does that distinguish the chapter? Yeah, I think it's probably the most traditional RPG like out of the first seven chapters. But but yeah, I think the mind reading is cool. Kind of reminded me of Golden Sun when I would get like antsy and have to mind read everybody. I like having shortcut buttons for that sort of stuff. <laughs> anyway, that's that's off topic. So, Wario fan, did you like? What's the uh, interesting part of the Kira? Let's see. I mean, the the mind read was pretty good. Uh, I I liked how it had the little um how how it handled the overworld. That is true. That was a, that was pretty distinct. Yeah. I I guess what in particular did you like about the overworld? I guess it was it was a a little more streamlined compared to other chapters, you know. Yeah. Because um yeah, you had this little compact area. It was kind of impossible to get lost. I think really. You could almost fit the entire world map on one screen. Exactly. I think that makes a lot of sense, and it mirrors kind of you know city navigation in general. Things are generally laid out to make sense, whereas you know the ninja chapter has a mansion that's really hard and obtuse to get around, and that's kind of the point of the mansion. And um, you know the caveman has a lot of natural sort of areas that sort of link together in awkward ways that might occur naturally. So it's only fitting that the world map is really easy to digest because, you know, that's what roads are there for. I don't know, I've heard people get lost in the city. Oh, what is that song? That's gonna bug me. <laughs> that's a song? I think. I think. Kirby of Death, I was I was led to understand that you uh, thoroughly enjoyed Akira. Yeah, it was um second or third favorite to me. If you had to say to someone, this is what you'll get out of the chapter, what would that be? I'd say it had like a good balance between fighting and storyline, and the fighting wasn't frustrating most of the time. And it was also nice that you never got lost. Like so, a ninja. like a, there's a nice sense of pacing in this story versus battles. Mm, yeah, definitely. Okay. It sounds like you enjoyed that most of the fights were like uh, those leader battles where you kill the leader and everybody else goes away. Right. And that was both nice and uh, for like the harder mobs, I guess you call them. Uh, but what sucked was that like the uh, the mobs level with you, so which is fine for most of the part. But uh, if you get a certain when you're at a level and like you're at a certain mob where it's a real pain in the ass to like fight them then the overworld becomes kind of a nightmare. Especially when they're like, they box you and you kind of have to fight them. So if you just, you know, fight the leader, then that's fine, but you just don't get any power parts, and that sucks. Yeah, I feel like it really only got annoying when there were all the stone slabs surrounding you. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Throughout the rest of Live Alive, there have been other fights like that, like the Trap Master in uh, Ninja. But why do you think it is that all of the fights in uh, Akira 
follow that kill the leader, kill everybody rule. Part of streamlining, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, if it's for people who, like, don't really feel like playing out through the entire fight, I mean, you sacrifice the pickups, but you get the fight with over... Yeah, you get the fight over with faster. You can get back to going wherever you need to go. Yeah, I guess that Maybe, is a, I don't know. That's a worthwhile dichotomy. You know, taking longer but getting the items. It's a bit like grinding, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. And finally, Shouty, if you had to point to an interesting thing about Kira, what, what would you say? I guess, uh, I like the presentation. It's not anything else. The, uh, like how, you know, you start with a theme song and you end with a giant boss battle and... Yeah, I like those parts. Other than that, I don't really find it particularly interesting. Initially, I would have agreed and said, like, I don't. Most of what I got out of it was just that someone just uh just wanted to recreate an anime episode. But I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to think about more things now. I certainly mm. didn't. I I didn't enjoy playing it. I think one of the more distinct features that's kind of awkward is finding who the right person is to talk to to push the story forward. Um, yeah, I think to do that, you just have to mind-read everyone. Yeah, that kind of sucks. I don't know, the overworld is really small, but it still took me forever to you know, get around to everybody and figure out. And even then, like I think at one point you're forced to meet some kid in a bathroom to move the story, right? Yeah. Like that, It's weird. Why would you ever... I mean, he tells you to, but why would you bother with it? I guess he just has to pay very close attention to the story. And if you don't really find the story that interesting, then you're kind of screwed. That would be me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, did anyone else have trouble with, like, uh, finding the right way to proceed? Well, I actually went into the bathroom, but then I didn't sit on the toilet. Oh, so no. So I thought that was supposed to come later or something. So then I was looking around for what to do next, and then I had to actually look it up. And then it's like, oh, you're actually supposed to go on the toilet. <laughs> you had to look up how to use the toilet. Why would you go on a toilet? At least lift, lift the seat. <laughs> like he just—it just said like meet this kid in the bathroom. So I thought I was gonna walk into the bathroom and he'd be standing there, but he wasn't standing there. So I just left. Why would I have to get on the toilet? What would that do? Have you ever sat on a toilet and have someone walk in on you and advance your progress? <laughs> <laughs> What do you think this is? Twenty uh, first century Japan, apparently, <laughs> where we have giant late, late, robots. Late twenty first uh, century. Wasn't it twenty first? What century was it? I don't know, but it certainly isn't this century. You know how giant robots. Yeah, I didn't know that in nineteen ninety four. Century is not over. Yeah, that's why I'm saying late twenty first century. I don't. I don't see giant robots in the foreseeable future. Well, in the 1900s, Not when I'm alive. in the future, so... Yeah, I wouldn't underestimate Japan making giant robots. <clears throat> They're probably doing it right now, like as we speak. It's just very secret. Hopefully they can get retractable rocket punches and come back. You know what, well, while we're here, what was up with that final boss fight? Soup did, what do you think of the final boss fight? Uh, I, like, I like the idea of it. It, it took a bit long... I mean, I understand that it's really simple movesets and everything, because it's not really a continuation of what you've been doing the whole chapter. It's just kind of a new thing they spring on you pretty suddenly, which I like. I thought the idea was cool, just a giant robot battle to finish it off. I thought that was really cool. It it kind of took a bit long, and you were just kind of using the same move over and over. But I don't know, I liked it a lot. Wario fan, did you, uh, what did you think of the final boss? I, I, I thought it was weird how... Uh... 
it presented it as if we were supposed to be familiar with these characters. Well, you kind of know the bird. But... I know the bird. <laughs> the robot, I don't know so much. But in <laughs> but in general, I I, I kind of liked how the whole end bit was just you were just in a in a robot, just you know, causing destruction, you know. But like you know, you were just pretty much blazing through uh, the path up to the final boss in that last bit. Actually, um, my first time through, I got killed by the flying airship. Oh, good lord! Me too. <laughs> oh, me too. You need to. I mean, you need to stand under it and like cheese it out. Yeah, the, the giant robot has to stand under the airship. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's. Oh, he's probably just going to be crouching or rolling under it or shuffling under it or shuffling. I, <laughs> Okay. Alright then. Um Kirby of Death, any thoughts on the on the final boss? I don't see how it could have been anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was the whole it's point exactly of the story. That a giant I... robot fight? Yes. <laughs> no, a giant a giant bird? Well um, wait uh, I... Not exactly. When you see the giant statue in the temple, isn't that what you would assume the final boss is? Well, um, hold on a second. Did they give you any opportunity to to go to the temple before the final boss? Oh yeah, yeah, they do. But I went there every time I, I was stuck, and it was never the solution. I never had to. I, I don't remember ever having to visit the temple before the final boss. So you don't have to. You don't have to, but you can. Exploration thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's that was the fault on my part. Then. Yeah. Well, that's that's your fault. that was that was my folly. But you didn't have any. You didn't have any like uh, any inclination to go to the temple. You didn't. You weren't really forced to go, so it's kind of so it is kind of out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Shouty, did you? What? Any thoughts on the final boss? I did like the giant robot battle, but uh, uh, the boss itself. Um, I kind of like how it's foreshadowed, foreshadowed a little bit, with all the birds flying around in the park in the beginning of the chapter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah. In so, general. So hold on. What you're what? saying is. That Akira's chapter is pretty much the anime adaptation of Alfred Hitchcock's Birds. Huh. Oh God, it is. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> there's, there's our interesting theory of the week. Is there a guy that dies from alcohol poisoning in the birds? The Akira chapter is more subtle than most other chapters in Live Alive, but I think I'm starting to see how it comes together. Most aspects of the experience, such as travel and battling, are streamlined, while your progress rests on character interaction. This even comes to bear in the game mechanics. You can read everyone's mind, allowing for two levels of interaction with any given character, talking and mind reading. Aside from the distant future robot chapter, this might be the chapter that's most dependent on character interaction. However, because combat still maintains a regular presence, Akira is more finely tuned than the robot chapter. Most chapters in Level Live have one big obvious thing as their focus, but Akira takes familiar JRPG concepts and slightly skews them towards character interaction. 
I didn't enjoy Akira, but I can respect how it's less gimmicky and less one-note than most of the other chapters. It's interesting to note that, on my first listen through this, I concluded that the Akira chapter was aimless. Each element seemed random next to the other. What do a streamlined world map and mind reading have to do with each other? It was only on reflection and further thought that the pieces came together. This goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's easy to miss the point when something is subtle. My first step in understanding Akira came when I noticed that my progress was often halted by being unable to find the right person to contact. I guess I use this to judge what a game values. If it's willing to stop your progress over something, that something is eh, probably important. From there, it wasn't a big stretch to conclude that the world map and battles were diminished so that they had a lesser bearing on my progress. The map was tiny and I could quickly clear battles by striking down a single leader. On the other hand, uh, it was really important to find the right person to talk to to trigger cutscenes so I could do more things in the story. I think you can tell from my comments during the segment that it's a focus I recognized on some level, I just wasn't able to consciously identify it. Then again, maybe it's just my own bias that games should have a singular purpose. Up next, we discussed the science fiction chapter, where you play as a robot in the far future. The gameplay is an awful lot like a visual novel, but it takes on the perspective of your typical JRPG. What kind of effect does that have on the chapter? So, unfortunately, uh, I disconnected at the end of our last podcast, and uh, we, yeah, I lost everybody, but uh, here today with me are Supeg, Shouty, and now Zanrio. Um, and we're going to be talking about the science fiction chapter of Live Alive. So, it's actually kind of an interesting chapter where you play as a, a newborn robot and you try to sort out this, uh, this murder mystery among humans. Zanria, all of the other characters in the game are humans, but here you're playing as a robot and he's a newborn. Do you think you gain anything out of that experience? Uh, well, it's an interesting setting for, for the game. Um, it's possible seeing how the, how the other human characters interacted with the robot when tried talking to them. Um, I mean, you still made the choices when you when you played the game, and I'm not sure what to say here. Uh, well, it does give you like an outside. I, th I think what you were speaking to was that it gives you an outside perspective on the other human characters. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, Shouty, do you think you gained anything in particular out of playing as, you know, a robot for once? Yeah, I think I enjoyed the, uh, the shake-up by not playing as a human character. So it's, it was nice just as a sense of variety? Yeah. Okay. Supeg, but was there anything in particular that struck you about playing as a robot? Uh, I, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really effective. Like, it just kind of... It was a good way of just sticking you into the middle of it. Like, it lets you be an observer without initially actually doing anything. Like, you're just kind of like a little cute robot giving everyone coffee. And then it's cool how it just ramps up from you being this pointless observer to superhero robot. It was really cool. You don't have a backstory, so your character isn't weighed down, but you're still an important right. element. Right. I thought I thought it was really cool. I mean, it's it's my favorite chapter in the game. So, <laughs> Shouty, one of the things that I I noticed out of Robot is that it seemed to there's not a lot of combat. 
Do you think it would be comparable to like a visual novel? I guess uh, if if it's only driven by story, not necessarily by combat. I mean, there are times when you can still uh, die, and you have to re redo from a save point. But that can, uh, but, yeah, that can happen that in can visual happen a visual novel. novel. So yeah, I guess it is like a visual novel for the most part. So big is that the sense you got? Yeah, I thought it was very much like a visual novel. Um, there was pretty much no gameplay. It was just kind of like looking around and talking to things and using items, which is sort of like a Phoenix Wright style visual novel. And that's that's like that's one of the things I really liked about it because I thought it was a very good visual novel. Well, actually, uh, that that brings me to my next question, Sanrio. This, yeah. I, I think we agree that this sort of has gameplay similar to a visual novel, but you're stuck with all the Live Alive graphics. Do you think it matters that this isn't presented like a visual novel? Uh, are we missing out on anything? Well, I still got that visual novel, novel feeling from it, since there was so much gameplay as the others. Yeah. No battles until the end. Um, unless you count the minigame. Captain Square, that was fun. Most visual novels are really impressively you know, illustrated. But were you okay with Robot just being a normal, you know, having the same dumpy graphics as the rest of Live Alive? If it had the usual visual novel saga, that'd be cool. That would look really great. But, but I don't have anything against it being the normal graphics. It's not something you expected, so it's not... you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Okay. I guess my little theory about this chapter is that, uh, the live life graphics kind of distance you from the experience. Um, your perspective is always overhead, uh, everybody's always the same size, everything's very discreet. So, I feel like the live life graphical style casts an interesting light on the visual novel gameplay, in that it takes a visual novel and sort of takes the personality out of it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It makes sense considering you're playing as a robot. Exactly. This really has personality. <laughs> it's yeah. um you're a robot gathering facts rather than a person, you know, who has emotions and reactions to other people. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, <clears throat> I really felt like I was that robot though. I felt like I was him. How so? Uh I don't know, I just think it was it, like it has the the same graphics as the rest of the game, but the there's also like a lot of really great atmospheric effects with the sounds and the music and stuff that you get, um, and that I think that kind of made up for it. And visual novels are usually just talking portraits anyway, with like a CG thrown in once in a while, <laughs> and. There's something to be said about, like, actually seeing these characters in space and, like, seeing what they're doing and where they are in relation to each other that, I don't know, I think in some ways it's, it's actually a little better than a visual novel. Yeah, usually visual novels are just portraits. Yeah. And you're having a first-person view. It's like a static background and then talking heads, mm -hmm. which is fine. I like that, but it's... I think this was a good approach too, especially because they're like, it's all taking place on a ship and you know where everything is relative to each other. Like when you're playing Phoenix Wright or something, 
Like, I have no friggin' idea, like, where the courtroom is in relation to the lobby, or I don't know where anything is. Which doesn't really matter in that kind of game, but in this game, I think it does matter, so I think it works really well. So yeah. it made, it made uh, your environments easier to parse? Yeah, and and I feel like it actually helped immersion, too, because I knew where I was, and I was physically going there. It didn't just, like, load up a new background and load up some new talking heads. It was... it felt more involved. I see. So, yeah, it gave you a better sense of your environment. Do you think, like, in general, we take perspective into consideration when we when we play video games? Um, like, what kind of perspective? Well, uh, like you just mentioned, visual novels tend to be in first person and very static, whereas Robot was uh, very distanced, but also very animated. Are those the kinds of issues we tend to think about when, we, when we're playing a video game? Uh, I suppose so. I mean, a lot of... That's the appeal of a lot of, like, first-person games, is you have a very direct perspective, so it feels like you. But third-person games are... It's very easy for me to put myself in the in the perspective of them with while I'm looking at their back, so it's not as much a deal as like for me. Like I can still feel immersed, like I did with this story, even though it wasn't like a first-person visual novel, like many of them are. Like I still felt immersed because I I could just implant myself in this little guy. When a game is third-person, do you think there are considerations made to draw you into the character in a certain way? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess one of the ways that I said that this game do it is it had really good, like, atmospheric effects and sounds and stuff. That's true. There are, like, uh, yeah. the doors being opened. Yeah, the doors opening and closing, and then you know what that alien's roar is, so when you hear that, you're like, oh god. Oh my god, uh, that was so creepy. Yeah. Uh, so I think there there are things you can do to immerse, even though it's third person, and in this case, kind of crappy looking overhead sprites. <laughs> uh, Zanrio, have you ever played a third person game and noticed that it was modifying your perspective? Uh, not sure. Is perspective something you typically notice when you're playing a game? Well, it certainly is a different appearances. Well, when you can't see it kept on the screen compared to when you can. Most of the games I play are third-person games. I don't play as many first-person games, so I'm not sure I've noticed a difference between too many of them. I think in general, um, with a, with a third-person perspective, it's easier to get a sense of uh, of your character. Real life isn't first-person, but we also have nerves and stuff. Uh, but in in first person in a video game, you really can't feel what your hitbox is. And so viewing in third person is sort of the compensation for that. Also, first person in Super Mario Brothers would be really friggin' creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been done before, at least in yes. video format. <laughs> well, it would, it would have to be like 2D so that, you know, when you come across a Goomba, he's infinitely wide. Like oh well, we're that, or you're just on a very narrow plane, <laughs> and you can't do anything but avoid enemies by either by jumping on them or jumping over them. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah, just like you said. <laughs> Shouty, can you 
Uh, have you ever had any experiences that play with perspective? It's kind of hard to pinpoint when a game uh, purposely gets you to um, think perspectively within a character that you're playing as. But um, I think that when a game tries, it uses succeeds. Uh, like, uh, like in Pikmin, where you're little, so you you think you think you're insignificant. Uh, but uh, when you have a lot of units in your army, um, you you feel more powerful. They all crowd around you, and your general you know area of influence is pretty big. Yeah, but even then, that can be immediately squashed out in, in, within a second by an enemy. Yeah, actually, if you consider, like, if you put Olimar and all of his Pikmin next to a boss, you have mm -hmm. one guy that's really big and takes up just as much space as all your little guys put together. Yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, and uh, the fact that there are all these journal entries uh, that Olimar makes on his, on, uh, on his journey, uh, it really makes you think about the character in himself and what's going through his mind. So you have so kind of a, a third-person yeah. Yeah, third perspective where you can't really see into Olimar's mind except by observing mm -hmm. his actions and words. Mm -hmm. That and in Pikmin 2, uh, to take this even further, whenever um, you see their idle animations uh, for the captains, they're usually just looking around or trying to catch their breath. So, um... I, well, I think that's more personality than perspective. Yeah, well, I still think it gives perspective on on the characters. Uh, because they're tiny little creatures trying to roam a large world. Hold on. Um, okay. I mean, uh, one thing that I kind of have to add here is, like... I was talking about, like, literal perspective, like, first person and third person. Oh. Um, like, earlier I was hinting at that. Um, and I don't really know if that's what Golem's getting at, but uh, I think a lot of times it isn't necessarily what makes you feel like you're immersed in an experience or part of a character. Like, um, like, even though this was an overhead thing with Cube um, in the sci-fi chapter, I felt like I was him. I felt really immersed, and I felt like I was going through the experience. Um, but there are first-person games uh, where I don't feel that at all. Uh, yeah. Like like Metroid Prime, I, I don't know who the hell Samus is, and I have no reason to feel... Well, kind of compelled by this character. It's funny, that, it's funny that you bring up Metroid Prime because that Samus, game. you can see I just see Samus's face reflected on uh, on her visor. I would say uh, Metroid Prime points. is a game that's very concerned with perspective. Yeah. Oh, I agree, but it it's like, and uh, like with Gordon Freeman, I guess this is probably a better example. Oh, it yeah. feels like uh, in Half Life, it feels. It never really feels like I'm him. Like, he has all these people that he knows, and they're like, Hi, Gordon, welcome to work. And, like, I feel like there's this whole backstory that I'm missing, and that's what makes me feel a little less like I'm 
part of it. Like, it's more... And also, like, you don't make any choices or anything. It's very linear. Yeah. Which is the same with, uh, with Robot. You don't really make any choices. But... Um, well, I th- um, or that with, makes uh, sense because you're a robot. Robots right, aren't meant but to be unlike Gordon Freeman, the robot is like a completely blank slate. Who yeah. I am forming the experiences of, and that feels really different. So Half Life uh, is structured to emphasize the insanity of the situation, where it, and it, that's something Half Life Two kind of took and made more deliberate and obvious. Um, but Half Life is really about you know. Sort of waking up and realizing the world has gone insane and is out of control. Um, yeah, and, and I really like Half Life, but I never really felt like I was Gordon Freeman. That's yeah, I, I would say that's the point. Um, mm-hmm. when I said perspective, I mean like your viewport of things. Like, uh, in a film, if one guy is standing in the center of the shot and you can see a pillar at the you know either ends of the shot, then that's your perspective that. You see this guy between two pillars, and you know the director could have left the pillars out or only focused on one. Um, if that makes any sense. So, like literal yeah. visual perspective. Uh, yeah. And for that, I've like I think the prime example, or maybe not prime, the most obvious example is Eternal Darkness with the insanity effects. That game oh. loves to make you aware that you know what you're seeing is different from reality and that you have, you know, you're a human with a skewed perspective. The reality of the game, you mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> I never played that, so I can't really comment, but... I I've can't seen... say I have either. I haven't, I haven't played it, but I, I know of its insanity effects. Yeah, that's so pretty much... I'm aware. Yeah. Perspective is a weird and tricky issue. I guess I'd say you can pick up on perspective when elements are skewed in some way to reflect someone's perception. For instance, if a character in a movie is running, the camera might jostle up and down to reflect the feeling of running. The world isn't actually bumping up and down, that's just how the character feels. It's not just a visual thing though. Any aspect of presentation can be subject to perspective. There's the adults and peanuts who seem to talk in gibberish. They're not literally talking in gibberish, but it's a reflection of the mental and social divide between the children and adults. So the interesting part of Robot is that visual novels are typically really blatant with how they skew things to portray a character's perspective. Each portrait you view is carefully framed and composed to give you an idea of the character's mindset. Robot, on the other hand, places objects on screen without any skew at all. It's a release from perspective when compared to visual novels. It's also worth noting that when the beast screams, it's usually off-screen. The robot's perspective is limited. It can only cover a few square meters of any single floor on the ship. So when the beast screams, and you can't see it, there's a sense of foreboding. The creature could be anywhere because it evades your visual perception altogether. The game is taking advantage of your limited perspective to scare you. So... Any parting words, Super? Not really. Uh, I'm just, you know, this is my favorite chapter in the game, uh, so I was just glad to talk about it a bit. Why is uh, science fiction your favorite chapter? I, I just thought it was a really cool experience, and there's a lot of atmosphere, and it just really involved me. 
more than the other chapters. I just thought it had like the best story and the best immersion. Yeah, I think um, it's more conservative than the other chapters, and all of its elements are really well placed um, for immersion, like you said. Uh, Zanrio, do you have any uh, parting words? Yeah, I really like this chapter. Yeah. yeah, it was really interesting and uh, very different from the others. Yeah. Yes. Which uh, which chapter was your favorite? Uh, not really sure. I this uh, this was one of my favorites at least. Yeah, I think everyone really digs this chapter. Mm. Uh, Shouty, any parting words? Um, I think yeah, this is undeniably probably the best chapter uh, of the entire undeniably, game. Undeniably, really. Yeah, because it 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 tries something new, but at the same time, it has little flaws. Uh, Try something new. Well, it, it it's not like a generic RPG, and it uh it, it tried to at least deviate the most from the other chapters. Um, I would agree with that. What about and, Cowboy? Um, yeah, but uh, Cowboy, uh, you could point out some flaws in that. I see. So Robot is it's just more the most it, different while having the least flaws. Yeah, so it's more polished. The fewest flaws. So it introduces new elements while still uh, maintaining some polish. I see. Well, um, I think Robot is excellent, but uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with my nomination in Ninja. And, uh... Well, I love Ninja too, but it's not the best. <laughs> it's my personal favorite. <laughs> do you, like, Golem, do you actually think Ninja is the best chapter? Ninja is the best chapter. Uh, that's just that's, that's just so baffling. I don't even. <laughs> well, I'll see you all around. Thanks for coming out today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All music from this podcast was from Live Alive, uh, aside from the one clip from Heart of the Sunrise by Yes. I'll leave you on this final thought. Camera work often provides perspective in films. I mean, it's cinematography. Do we pay attention to cinematography in games with fixed cameras? Up next, we've got an unused intro segment from an attempt to record a podcast about the robot chapter, featuring Soupeg and Zanrio. Hello and welcome to the 11th Commune Podcast. This week we are still on Live Alive. We are steadily approaching the end. Today I got with me Soup and Zanrio. Uh, Soup, how are you doing? I'm doing well, how are you? Glad to hear. I'm doing uh, Pucci Keen. Actually, it's, uh, weather's been getting nice, so... Ah, finally. Zanrio, how are things with you? Yeah, I'm good too. Have you uh have you been playing any games lately? Yes. I've been I've just started Kirby sixty four. Oh. Yeah. So uh what do you think of it? 
It's fun so far. Okay. I'll admit, I'm not fond of the game. I feel like the controls are really clunky and slow. But I guess the main point of it is just combining powers and you're supposed to have fun with that. Yeah, that, that's kind of fun. Look at what kind of weird powers you get by mixing things up or having two of the same things. Actually, it'd be kind of neat if they did that in a new Kirby game and then there would be like DLC packs of powers. Yeah, uh, I thought it was fun. Hope. Double Spike Kirby gets like pencils and sisters and everything. Sisami knife. What fuck all that? And the weird thing about that boomerang Kirby. Oh god. That's just. just oh. rips off his, off his face and drops it. <laughs> that development it's... team was like the, the creepy side of Kirby where like you get possessed DDD <laughs> and like his stomach has a mouth in it. So. <laughs> it's kind of neat, but that team is definitely really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Beam Sword Kirby might, might be the best. Soup, have you been playing any games? Uh, actually, I got uh, Kirby's Adventure on uh, Wii U VC. Um, the Wii's virtual console, and it is interesting. <laughs> what makes you say that? It appears that in the 20 years or however long it's been since the first Kirby game, they haven't changed level designs at all. It, like, just the way they're designed and everything, they're extreme. It, it feels, the level design feels like I'm playing Return to Dreamland or something. It's It's just very, very similar. What's not similar is the controls and just how it works, which is, it feels very, very clunky by our standards. Yeah, the uh, Return to Dreamland has like a superstar type setup where uh, each power has like multiple uses, right? Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And then they kind of took a step backwards with the GBA games, and, and they kind of like didn't have multiple uses anymore. But yeah, I was surprised when I picked up Amazing Year, and it was yeah, the powers are still single use. Yeah, I um, like the multiple use approach. It's, uh, if you're gonna focus on the powers, then they should be interesting, and, I don't know, only having one move at each power makes it interesting for all of 30 seconds. Um, as far as, like, uh, stage design goes, I feel like every Kirby is kinda samey in, in your right, um, and there's a lot of, like, busy work platforming where all of it feels a little, like I'm tripping over really small ledges, and it doesn't feel satisfying. The exception being Kirby's Dreamland 3, which I think has a satisfying dichotomy of like, either there's a lot of slopes and you can run through everything really quickly and just like, blast every enemy in your way, or the platforming is really tight and demands your focus. So that's why Kirby's Dreamland 3 has always been my favorite. I haven't played Dreamland 3. Oh, it's uh, it's on Virtual Console I think, right? Is it? I don't know. Kirby's Dreamland? Uh, Dreamland 3. Yeah. That's on Virtual Console, I downloaded it myself. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Also has a groovy art style. Yes. I like the art style. Oh, so that's on uh, Super Nintendo then? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Dreamland 1 and 2 are Game Boy. Right. I've only played uh, Dreamland 2. I, I feel like Dreamland 2 is like, it doesn't do enough to differentiate itself from Kirby's Adventure. It's um, on Game Boy. Well... I mean, yeah, at the time it would have been like, oh, cool, a, a really hardy platformer that I can put in my pocket if, if I have a Game Boy pocket. 
by which I mean a pocket that is the inverse size. 